You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We don't know if new Chicago Bears head coach Matt Eberflus is going to lead the team everywhere that they want them to go. But we do have a pretty good sense that his players are going to buy in, his coaching staff is going to buy in, and that's at least going to be a welcome change from what we've seen in recent years in Chicago. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook. Join the LockedOnBears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the LockedOnBears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at GetUpside. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use our promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back when you fill up your tank. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today and every day. On the show today, we will actually hear from Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich sharing some of his thoughts on Bears head coach Matt Eberflus, how he was able to communicate to players in Indianapolis, why there was so much buy-in, how he was able to go through that buy-in, what to expect from new Bears defensive coordinator Alan Williams, and and how Flus, as, as they call him, Eberflus, nicknamed Flus, how he sort of adapted over the years. We'll go from there to updating day two from the Senior Bowl, the second day of practices out in the rain, some of the top prospects that we saw perform today, looking a little bit more at the wide receivers, defensive backs, and some tight ends in there as well. Yesterday was more of the offensive line for us. And then we'll wrap up with some thoughts from other friends here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, sharing all of our observations, more sets of eyes from the field down here in Mobile. Now, again, those of you watching on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel will again notice yet another different background behind me. I'm actually not in my hotel room, but in the Lockdown Airbnb down here in Mobile where a lot of the other Lockdown hosts are where we do the Lockdown live stream on the Lockdown NFL Draft channel. So it looks a little different. Should, should still sound the same as the rest of the week. And of course, we, we find ways to keep the show going here. That's what we always do here on Lockdown Bears. So I want to start with the Head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich, he took some time, really kind of a classy move, to answer questions from the Chicago media about Iberflus. It was like 20 minutes worth of a virtual press conference to talk about a coach who's no longer on the Indianapolis Colts, but I think it does speak to the relationship that Iberflus and Reich had in Indianapolis, That, and not, not only the words that Reich said about him, but the fact that he would even take time to talk to the media to speak so highly of a coach who's now on an opponent and, you know... A, in his way of winning a Super Bowl, potentially, you know what I mean? Competing for the same goals. But I thought it was really illuminating for a lot of the ways that Iberflus was able to communicate his philosophy, that he was able to measure a lot of the things he's trying to implement in Chicago and the way, you know, more like logistically how it actually worked in Indianapolis. Because we can hear, you know, leadership and toughness and fundamentals all day long, but like actually putting that into place is what can separate coaches and can separate people that just say the right things versus coaches that are able to successfully do the right things. And, and all indications from Flus with some of these really specifics from Frank Reich really lay out how things just were that much different for Eberflus in Indianapolis and why you could see why the Bears would be all in on buying in on this defensive coordinator as their head coach. Frank, I had uh, two questions for you. The first one, you, you mentioned at the outset that Flus has very clear standards. And I'm curious if you could sort of expand on uh, the specifics of how he makes it clear to, to his players and, and probably also his coaches what those standards are and how he measures that. 
Well, the, the part that I heard of the press conference was Dan grabbing lunch, and I and I heard him talking about his hits principle. And let me just tell you now, like he eats, sleeps, drinks, bleeds that um, in every aspect. Okay, so those are the standards. Those are the standards, and everything is going to be measured up against those things. And um, yeah, I don't. It's going to be very clear to the players. It's going to be very clear to the players what this his what this his principle is all about. You've also had four years with with Alan Williams there, and 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 Fluce mentioned yesterday his relationship with him. What what has left an impression on you about Alan as a coach and, and how his skills would translate to a, a coordinator role? Alan has really good command of the whole picture. Alan is a is a is a fast on his feet as a thinker. You know, listening, you know, being on the headset and hearing Flus call the defenses and interact with the defensive staff, um, hearing Allen's input, hearing the dialogue between he and Flus, how dynamic it was, how much Flus trusted him, you know, over those four years, seeing that relationship develop. Um, you know, I, I just think Allen, Allen has great energy on the field. I think, you know, watching Allen run, run drills on the field, he's got good energy, good body language. He's got a good positive vibe to him, can connect. So um, Allen's, Allen's an excellent football coach. Hi, Frank. Uh, when you talk about Flus's hits principle and his standards, what have you seen from him in terms of his ability to get players to buy into that? Just the consistent, well, seeing it on tape, um, seeing it on tape and the consistency of it. In the four years here um, as a head coach, you know, I'll, I'll give you this picture. I walk out onto the field um, on game day and invariably over four years, almost every week, I'm going to be talking to somebody on the other staff and somebody is going to comment to me, you know, how hard our defense plays, uh, how hard our team plays, but really how hard our defense plays and how they run to the ball. A lot of people talk about how we run to the ball, how we take the ball away. Um, I think that's that says it more than anything. Just watch the tape. Look at the results. Hey, Frank. Uh, Matt was talking yesterday about uh, wanting to implement his defensive system here in Chicago. I'm curious, when you think back to when he came to Indianapolis, what, what stood out to you about that process and, and the way he went about doing that with a new group of players? One of the things I appreciate about Flus is, you know, this I've mentioned this clear vision, you know, he's going to play his system, but um, and it was very methodical, very um, – you know, there was a progression to it, um, which I think is important. And then, but the other thing I think is important that I saw over the four years is, you know, he was able, he, he adapted, which is what we all want to do as coaches. You got to adapt to what your players do best. You got to adapt to what the offense is doing. And, you know, Flus and I had a lot of discussions over those four years, you know, Marcus Brady and I kind of running the offensive side of things, Bubba Ventrone running special teams, Right. And then Flus running the defense. Uh, you know, how do we do that? What's what's the right way to do that as a coach that we got? Hey, we're going to do what we do, but we also have to keep evolving and adapting year to year, week to week, year to year. How is this? You know, we came here four years ago. How is this getting better? We're not just going to stay status quo. And I think Flus has showed a good ability to hey come in with a system and and really let's nail down these fundamental principles. But then let's also be willing to adapt and let's also have a vision to to incorporate that in to what our players do best and how we counter what we're seeing from the opposing team. That last part in particular, adaptability, is so much of what 
It felt like the Chicago Bears were missing under Matt Nagy and, and the previous regime of never quite getting the players exactly in the positions that were going to put them to where they can be successful. And I think that that's such the refreshing thing we've been wanting to hear from whoever the next Bears head coach was going to be. And it's been a pretty consistent message about Matt Eberflus. It's not a guarantee that it's going to work and it's going to lead them to the Super Bowls and all these things. But again, sort of laying the foundation and starting off on the right foot is at least something we can try and be encouraged about. Not reading too much into press conference quotes and we have to see it on the field and all that stuff, but it's it seems to be there, right? The, the baseline seems to be there and I'm excited to see how they start to implement that and, and of course then what players they add into that mix. The players are going to be just as important as how they are coached and we've been getting a pretty up close and personal look at a lot of the players Bears could be looking at in the NFL draft. I saw Ryan Poles again on the field today at the Senior Bowl talking to some some of his former Chiefs scouts. We'll get into some of that and notes on all the top prospects that we've been looking at that the Bears should keep an eye on next on Locked on Bears. The Senior Bowl down here in Mobile is all about upside in these draft prospects. And speaking of upside, we got an incredible app for anybody who drives a car, puts gasoline in a vehicle. It's called Get Upside. If you need to get some upside, the same way all these NFL teams are looking for upside at the Senior Bowl, then you need to download the Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play. Lockdown Bears listeners are getting cash back for every gallon of gas they fill in their tank every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app, enter in the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back when you fill up. Stop paying for full price at the pump anymore. Some people who fill up and drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's absolutely no catch. The cash back is added right into your Get Upside account, and then you can cash out at any time. You can direct deposit into your bank account, or if you'd rather go through PayPal, they do that. You can even cash out with an e-gift card to Amazon or other online retailers. Super easy to use. Download the free Get Upside app and use our promo code touchdown to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back when you fill up that's promo code touchdown in the get upside app a lot of the upside down here in mobile especially on day two of the senior bowl really stood out in this tight end group for both the the national and american teams one coached by the jets one coached by the lions but they're all doing a lot of the same things and it's just a matter of sort of who you're seeing at what time and really some of the top tight end prospects in this draft class are down here really i think colorado state tight end trey mcbride has been the one that really looks just like legitimate like you know i'm like he, we knew he came in as one of the top build tight ends in this class and he has played through and and earned every bit of that recognition he, he he's big he's fast he's strong he's physical catches the ball well it separates against linebackers seems to be able to block and hold up pretty well in that area too I mean just the complete package of a tight end not a guaranteed home run but just when he's playing against you know top talent here on defense and on his teammates he, he's one that's really stood out and then Ohio State tight end Jeremy Ruckert is one that's been fun to watch because he got so overshadowed in that Buckeyes offense with so many great wide receivers there I mean it was explosive offensive like he wasn't regularly targeted in some of the same ways just because they were putting the ball in those receivers hands but like he looks again like strong hands tough like you know when when the when the ball is late coming from the quarterbacks here which happened a lot the quarterback play has been mediocre at best when the ball is coming late and the linebacker is able to then catch up to him and you know attack his arms as the ball is coming in I saw Rucker just, you know, go out, grab, snag, and hold on to that ball with the strength in his hands in particular to fight through that contact and pull it in despite guys not being draped all over him because he couldn't separate, but draped on him because they had enough time to recover because the pass from quarterbacks were late. Uh, on the American team, again, we mentioned him on yesterday's podcast, but Coastal Carolina tight end Isaiah Likely 
for a guy who's 6'4", 241, he can really move well. I mean, I, I, I almost wondered if he, like, he looked smaller than that from, from the stands, but when, when you sort of, that, that's what he literally measured and weighed down here. And when you kind of combine those physical tools, the speed and the size and the ability to catch, I mean, he looks like a guy that I'm really excited about. It's hard to pin, like, a specific round on him, but in what's already a strong tight end class, he could be, uh, you know, a little bit later among that group, it's hard to tell exactly where, but might sneak down a few and be able to land him without needing to spend another premium pick on a tight end for the Bears, for example, but still be able to land a potentially a high-quality player there. It's really, for me, I was watching the wide receivers and DBs and tight ends, you know, pass catching versus pass coverage quite a bit today. And so from a wide receiver perspective, the... I don't know if it's. I don't know if we can call him a sleeper at this point. I mean, it's it's still early, and I don't have a sense of like exactly how late he's going to go. But the name that's not getting enough attention, I don't think, down here that really has impressed me over and over again, back to back days, is Memphis wide receiver Calvin Austin. Now he's listed and, and measured in at five seven and three eighths, one hundred and seventy something pounds. Right, he is small. He doesn't look quite that small. I mean, he looks small, but not like aggressively small. But like he he definitely is small. So the question for me is only. How can he hold up physically in terms of, like, taking hits? But he checked every other box for me. I mean, his best traits are his speed and change of direction. You know, it's it's he's able to slow down and speed up with such a, a smooth change of speed without you know having to come to a complete stop or anything like that. Like, he just moves so fluidly and naturally. But he's not just the short slot receiver, underneath route type receiver. No, he was taking deep shots, you know, and catching the deep ball, stacking cornerbacks behind him as he's tracking the ball deep downfield. He, he looked like a well-rounded receiver who just happens to also be 5'7 and uh, 170 pounds or whatever it ended up being. So, like, he's going to fall because he doesn't have any sort of size whatsoever. But, like, seems like he can do pretty much everything else. Because, you know, everyone's raving about the North Dakota State wide receiver, Christian Watson, who, again, looked great. You know, 6'4" big, strong wide receiver, was able to separate pretty well. And, and I what stood out for me was his blocking you know, on the backside of, of running plays and the front side too, but the effort and the strength really blocking through the whistle. Just like comparatively, I think I came in with like a wide receiver blocking bias a little bit from just seeing Bears wide receivers be so bad at it. I was talking to, to Robert Schmitz from, from Ridley City Gridiron watching practice with him. He covers the Bears. If you don't know him, he dra- draft and Bears coverage, great guy. Definitely recommend following him for all his work. But like he and I were both commenting how it's like just fun to watch wide receivers actually like try and blocking hard and actually be successful at blocking hard. He really did a great job there too. Um, Boise State wide receiver Khalil Shakur also specifically stood out for his blocking. But I, I really liked Romeo Dobbs, the Nevada wide receiver. Just again, like well-rounded, does everything well. 6'2", great route runner, really nice releases off the line of scrimmage, was getting open all over the field. I think it helped that he was catching passes some of the time from his college quarterback. So you had a pl- two players really on the same page when otherwise all these players are brand new and they're still getting used to each other. So I think there's maybe a slight advantage he was getting there, but like he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, but he gets open and runs great routes and has good hands. And like that wins in the NFL, even if he doesn't have like the elite physical traits necessarily. He's not slow. He's not small. He's six two and he runs fast, but just like he's not over the top speed or over the top size. And so he's not going to be that sexy pick that teams might swing the fences for at a wide receiver. But I mean, solid number two guy for sure. And, and would be a great fit, I think, with what the Chicago Bears have with with Darna Mooney. Uh, the other wide receivers I wanted to mention real quick was uh, Rutgers wide receiver Bo Melton. Long speed. Like when he gets off the line of scrimmage, when he gets a free release, just shot out of a cannon, just just goes and can blow by you if you don't slow him down. And he's pretty good at getting off the line of scrimmage, but it, at the top of his route, contact could slow him down a little bit more. And I thought he wasn't able to separate as well, like downfield, but if he was able to separate 
you know, after his release at the line of scrimmage, that then he was gone, and, and it was really a, a tough thing for a lot of these cornerbacks to, to keep up with. It felt like, generally speaking, the defensive backs had more, I don't want to say overall, more struggles, but I noticed a lot of guys looked kind of stiff and slow, and that, that can be, a, they can be kind of put in tough spots in these one-on-one drills where they're at a disadvantage already, but just something to sort of keep an eye on with these guys, not to get too over the top with, with any of them individually. You know, like, I think... Illinois cornerback Kirby Joseph was just mentally a step late reacting to receivers on their breaks. You know, it just seemed like he was always sort of a step behind. Whereas, like, the the Baylor defensive back, uh, Jalen Petre, or P- Petre, I believe, much more, like, savvy, smart, intuitive, not thinking, just reading and reacting and, and not having all those, like, sort of process. It was just natural for him to stay with receivers and really good, like, at making contact with them without committing pass interference or grabbing them or pulling them down or doing any of those things, but like slowing them down with the things he can get away with as a, a shifty defensive back. I thought similar things about the Georgia cornerback, Darian Kendrick, just like sticky mirrors stays with him, but again, without being over the top grabby. Cause like, like on the contrast, the UTSA defensive back Tariq wooden, very stiff, very grabby and, and you know, fly at least a couple times. If I remember correctly, just from being a, uh, you know, just too close and too physical up on a guy. Like, you want them to be physical, but but not that physical. And some of those guys are still trying to figure out what they can and can't exactly get away with against brand-new wide receivers they've never seen before. So it's always the disclaimer for all of our senior bowl observations. That's like, it's two days of practice, right? It's not a it's not a full evaluation. It's not a, a referendum on them as a draft prospect or as a potential NFL player. But it is a good up-close-and-personal chance to see them over and over again rep these different skills that are directly applicable to what they're going to do in the NFL. And, of course... Every NFL team, including Bears GM Ryan Poles, was down on the sideline watching practice in the rain, getting pretty wet like everybody else. I was told other people spotted uh, Coach Eberflus. I did not see him personally, but other people said he was also down there watching the practice. I did see Ryan Poles in particular watching the offensive and defensive line drills in the individuals and the team drills, like specifically watching those guys in the trenches seem to be where he happened to be paying the most attention today. Of course, they're going to watch every prospect. doesn't mean they're keen on any of these guys more than any of the others, but just, you know, former offensive lineman watching offensive lineman happens to be a position of need for the Chicago Bears. Put two and two together. I'm curious to see if they end up drafting any of these Senior Bowl offensive linemen. But, hey, I've only got one set of eyes to see what was going on at the Senior Bowl, but our Locked On Podcast Network crew down here has many, and so we'll turn to them to help us kind of gather even more observations here from day two in Mobile, Alabama, next on Locked on Bears. The big game is just what, a little, what, a week and a half away, and hey, if you're, if you're not hyped up for the, the end of the football season for what's going to be a great matchup, I, I don't know if I can help you, but we can make you even more hyped up with our friends at Bet Online. They've got you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before to just give you some stakes when it's two teams that you don't particularly care about, the Bengals and the Rams, you might not have any connection to them, but if you want to make the Super Bowl exciting, you can place all sorts of bets then. Anything you can think of on the field and halftime show and pregame and all those different things, betonline.net is the place for all of it. It's the best spot for all of your sports betting needs, scores, podcasts, and news throughout the postseason, but also through the rest of sports. It's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC. If we have a baseball season, if it's not locked out, they'll have odds for that too, plus live real-time updates of games going on right as you're watching them. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season at Bet Online, where the game starts. The Senior Bowl is an opportunity for teams like the Bears to add some really important parts to their, at least get a look at some of these really important potential parts for their team. And hey, if you need important parts, our friends at rockauto.com are always going to be the place we recommend. Their online selection of auto parts is 
better than anybody else. I mean, you just can't find that deep of a catalog at such great prices because rockauto.com charges you the same as they charge anybody else. Some of the chain part stores in your town, they'll have different price tiers if you're a professional mechanic versus a do-it-yourself or like us, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. So don't spend up to twice as much somewhere else. All you got to do is go on their site, you enter in your car's make and model, and boom, pulls up this huge list of any kind of part you could possibly think of. I'm not a not a total gearhead, and I don't know exactly what an engine control module does, but I know I can get one at rockauto.com. Check out their selection right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. When you do check out, fill out their How Did You Hear About Us box and write in the words locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. So I'm not the only Locked On Podcast Network host down here in Mobile, Alabama. We've got such a great crew of guys, not only fun people to be around that are good at covering their respective teams, but also guys that like do pay close attention to the NFL draft and know how to scout prospects and know what to look for at different positions, know what to not get caught up on at the Senior Bowl and know, you know how not to fall for some of the pitfalls of like understanding why things are happening on the field with when it comes to new players working with new teammates and new coaches and new plays and all the different stuff. Like it, it, it takes a certain amount of experience of understanding what we're seeing on the field and not to treat it just the same you would say game tape or anything like that. It's, it's a whole different environment, but we have, boy, I meant to count. We've got close to like 10 or 12 Lockdown Podcast Network hosts hanging out around here and a bunch of us each night, we've been getting together and doing a live stream on the Locked On NFL Draft YouTube channel, breaking down what we see. And we get so many good perspectives, everybody watching sort of different things and watching some of the same things and either confirming what we saw or disagreeing and able to sort of work out some of the different things we saw and why we saw those things. And it's, we're able to get, I think, a very robust coverage of all of the different drills and practices, especially on a day like Wednesday where it was raining and it was raining hard and we were soaked and we were wet and we were uncomfortable and and I like between practices I went to my car to dry off and try and warm up a little bit I mean we, we were all kind of <laughs> we were all struggling in our own different ways with, with trying to stay dry so to, collectively together we're able to piece together I think a really comprehensive look at practice and so I want to turn now to just a portion of the locked on NFL draft YouTube live stream we did breaking down this day two practices of the Senior Bowl here in Mobile, Alabama. Welcome everybody, it's wet down here in Mobile and things got a little bit interesting today. We're gonna to tell you what we saw, what we took away, who made themselves some money today. This is Locked On NFL Draft. This is Eric Crocker, I'm Ryan Tracy, this is the crew. We hope you guys are here, we are daily podcasting. This is just a bonus for you, tell us what you got from this day and what we won't see tomorrow as the team was indoors. Let's go around the room, starting over here. Who uh, are you? Lauren Cox, Locked On Bears. Eric Crocker, Locked On 49ers, and of course, Locked On NFL Draft. As am I, and Chiefs too. <laughs> Tony Wiggins, Locked On Jaguars, Duval County, stand up, get a coach. <laughs> <laughs> and Locked On NFL on Wednesdays with James Rapine. Brandon Olsen from Locked On Gators. Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles. John Hickman of Locked On Texans, and get a coach. <laughs> and an OC and a linebacker coach. Just get it all. So it was a tough day out there. Um, a lot of people had some issues. We all got soaked. I certainly did. A lot of takeaways. So let's start. Croc. What was the the guy that stood out to you off the top? Oh man, I mean Jermaine Johnson. I think he stood out for a lot of people. You go on Twitter, they're raving about him, and he didn't just stand out today. He stood out yesterday as well. And we want to talk about guys who made themselves some money. 
I think a lot of things that he showed today really kind of put into perspective. Like, man, maybe this isn't the guy that has a day one grade. I know after the practice, I talked to my guy, Boyan Moffin, uh, out of Minnesota. He had a terrific day as well. But he was like, you know, most of the guys that were there, they don't really have first-round grades. I think Jermaine Johnson probably categorized himself, at least into the conversation of being either uh, at some point a day one pick, definitely an early day two guy. Chiefs at 39 or at 30 sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> it's interesting that, that you said that because I think he's a better player right now than Jalen Phillips was last year. I think Phillips went like 18th or something like right. that. Yeah. So it's, it's real funny how drafts work because you got all of these guys that are projected to be legitimate edge rushers. I thought a guy that did well was my hometown guy, Maje Sanders. I really, when I saw his body yesterday, he didn't look like his lower half was, uh, I got skinny legs too, but it, he's not skinny. He just, he just didn't look as big as the other players. But today you had a chance to see what makes him special. And what actually makes him special is his ability to come off with speed and then not give up on the play. A lot of times guys get hit with that. When that first move doesn't, doesn't work, then they get stonewalled. He kept fighting through some stuff, and you can tell he's been well coached. So I think he's a guy who legitimately is a top 40 guy. And one more thing to add about him, too, is I was talking to my guy, Ion, you know, he's a defensive line guy. He did note that, yeah, he is slim, but he said he has a big frame. So he yeah. said there's room for him to kind of build out his body and not take away from his ability. Yep. I think, too, you look at a player that yesterday was probably the best receiver for the entire day is FCS North Dakota State wide receiver Christian Watson. Um, I did think he probably made the best catch of the day um, in one-on-ones against Kobe Bryant, a Cincinnati corner that also stood out. Um, he went up the high point of the football along the left sidelines. I thought the throw was actually late. Watson had him beat by a lot. Probably could have led him. Carson Strong could have. Probably would have been a touchdown in a real game, but Watson adjusted. Brian was closing in, went up for it, and in the rainy conditions today, he wasn't wearing gloves. I think this kid con- uh, continues to show that he didn't just dominate at an FCS level, that he can be that at the pro level too. 6'4", explosive, creates separation consistently. I think, you know, right now he's seen as maybe a late day two, early day three pick, I think he's going at least second round when yeah. it's all said and done. And I think, I mean, Watson, I think he's got to be like one of the biggest winners yeah. this week. And there's still one more practice to go, so I mean, who knows? Uh, and that's the thing with the rain. Like, the rain complicates things, but I think when guys ball out with the rain mm-hmm. and in spite of the rain, yeah. it really helps them kind of up the ante and really rise their stock even more. Like you said, doing without gloves was even more impressive. And, you know, yesterday on day one, like, he went up against a lot of guys that maybe were a little bit less, you know, highly touted. He went up against Greg Jr. Like no offense to him, but he had a, a very rough day himself. So when I saw him line up against Kobe uh, more than once, I think I want to say he got like two or three reps yeah. against Kobe and won consistently. I think like again, I mean, crop. I've been kind of joking about like the Niners. They want to make Trey Lance work. Like I think, I mean, Joe Burrow got his or Joe Burrow got his receiver. You get Trey Lance his guy. I mean, I think I think it makes sense. And Watson, I mean, I want him on both teams. I cover. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about the rain for a sec, though? Like, there's so many passes that were in the dark dirt, but, like, right. it's going to rain in NFL stadiums and mm-hmm. in NFL games, and, like, you have to play through that, and wide receivers catch wet balls in the league all the time, and yet it felt like really consistently we saw a lot of passes dropped, and it's easy to say, oh, well, it's raining, so they're all going to have trouble getting open and catching passes, but shouldn't they not have that yeah. problem? You know, that I, was, I was sort of curious what you guys thought, were like, how much can we excuse from the rain versus how much is that just being kind of generous when – there are college kids and all the other things we talk about, like how it's hard to produce really well at the senior bowl in these conditions. The rain doesn't seem like it's one of those conditions that should be any more difficult than normal. Well, I, I do think this. I think 
it's not ideal because there's probably things that you want to get to and things that you want to see. But it is one of those unmanufactured things where you can say, okay, here's some adversity. Who's, who, who's ducking behind? Who's acting like it's not raining? And Perry and Winfrey, because he was out there acting like they were playing football in Cancun on the beach. <laughs> he did not care. And I think what that does is it's, it's a job interview. So it's basically telling those coaches, okay, I don't want to be out here either, but that dude is acting like it's sunshine and rainbows, and I think that's what you want on your football team. I didn't want to, oh, yeah. No, I just really like that Deuce Staley because, I mean, we were talking about Brandon. Like, we were like, okay, everybody's anticipating the second practice of the day moving indoors. And we we're all bummed out. I was like, oh, man, we're not going to be able to go see it and everything else. But then you find out that Deuce Staley, actually, the senior bowl was. They're like, yeah, we'll move you indoors. And Deuce was like, no, we're going outside. We're going to practice outside. And I, and I love that mentality from the coach. And I think it, it bleeds over to to the players. I mean, obviously, only, only three days, but I think that shows a lot of a lot of moxie from Deuce himself. I want to go back to the wide receiver group, and uh, Bo Milton was a guy for me that uh, whenever you stand out, I just have to look your way. And uh, what he was able to do very well was win at the line of scrimmage. At times when they tried to get a hand on him, it wasn't even close. Very quick relief, maybe the quickest release off the line um, with his footwork, and was able to beat corners really quickly, and. His speed at the top end was just able to blow past him. So, uh, 5'11", you guys mentioned Christian Watkins, a big receiver. Uh, he made up some money. But I think at 5'11", compared to all of the other guys out there, I think he boosted his stock as well. Again, that was just a portion of uh, well over a half hour of Senior Bowl Day 2 practice recap we did over on the Locked on NFL Draft YouTube channel. If you want more of that coverage, be sure to go check out them. And, of course, their show with Ryan Tracy and Eric Crocker. If you need more Bears analysis, of course, Locked on Bears podcast is here for you five days a week. So thank you for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. If you're looking for a second listen, Locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy, Eric Crocker, they're both here. Been hanging out with them all week. They're good people. They know what they're talking about. They know NFL Draft, and they know how to break it down in a, in a more digestible way, too. So it's definitely, if you're ready to turn your attention to NFL Draft season, that is going to be the place to go. Plus, we're going to have great Super Bowl coverage for you all next week. More Locked on hosts on hand in Los Angeles on Radio Row. Tons of great interviews. So hope you'll keep tuning back in. Tune back in tomorrow. We're going to have, we're planning some sort of Bears reporter analyst roundtable with some of the other Bears media that are down here trying to get a bunch of people together all on one screen, breaking down everything going on with this team this offseason. So come back for that and we'll break down the new Bears coaching staff next week and so much more. So I hope keep tuning in to Lockdown Bears and in return, I hope the Lockdown Bears podcast makes it that much easier for you to bear down. <laughs>